Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Welcome to the big leagues, Vaughn Grissom, and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, August 11th. Frank Stample joined by CPT. Chris Towers. Today on the show, we had a big prospect call up, beat the waiver wire, two start pitcher edition, a little bit of this or that for a lot of waiver wire hitters, including a closer, two closers that I want to talk about. But anyway, what's up, Chris? How's life going? Life's good. That's all. All right. I don't really have anything to add. Fair enough. Well, let's get into it. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. All right. I'm just going to steal this one, Chris, and, and start off with uh, the Olive Garden breadstick, who is the Braves' top prospect, Vaughn Grissom, who was called up to play second base with Orlando Arcia going on the IL. 21 years old. He got the call from Double A, much like Michael Harris earlier in the season. A very aggressive promotion. Obviously has worked out splendidly for Michael Harris. We'll see if the same thing could be done for Vaughn Grissom here. So far, so good. Huge debut. Two for four with a sock and a shoe. Two hard hit balls, including his home run, which was 101.7 miles per hour off the bat. 412 feet. And if you haven't seen it, this was an awesome home run. Like, the bat flip was just great. Like, this kid was oozing swag during this home run. I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, this season in the minors for Vaughn Grissom, he was batting 324, 14 home runs, 27 steals in 96 games, just 22 of those coming in double A. So he's kind of like a young 21 years old, really does not have much experience above double A. He's 17% roster, Chris, and my initial reaction would be, okay, very excited to add this kid, especially after this debut. He looks awesome. The problem is that Ozzy Albies could be back by the end of the month. So how are you handling this whole Vaughn Grissom situation? To a certain extent, you know, I want to just say life finds a way. And, you know, when a team is in a, a playoff hunt and, um, you know, they get a spark from a guy, maybe that is enough to leave them in the, in the majors. You know, I, I don't know if Michael Harris was necessarily guaranteed to stick in the majors, but he played so well that it you know, kind of force them to to keep him up. And it's possible that Grissom does the same thing. He's got a very contact-oriented approach. He's got 135 strikeouts in 227 games in the minors, only 54 this season in 96 games, 54 in 87 games. The previous season and this year, he's started to develop some power, 14 homers in those 97 games or 96 games, um, 899 OPS overall. You know, the... The hit tool is considered the stronger uh, skill. The power is, you know, considered, I think, more average. He kind of a little bit sounds like he's not a switch hitter, but a little bit like Ozzy Albies. You know, he has 
like maybe six inches taller than all Ozzy Albies. He's six foot three, but you know, the kind of good hit tool, fringy ish over the fence power that he can get the most out of because of the hit tool, you know, that kind of sounds like what the potential best case scenario for Grissom could be. And that's a really lofty comp. So obviously, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Ozzy Albies, but yeah, I think he's someone who probably needs to be rostered in in all category based leagues at the very least just to see what we've gotten. It's a skill set that could potentially be very promising for points leagues as well with his contact profile. Yeah, I just looked up his minor league profile to see if he played any games in the outfield in his minor league career, and he hasn't. It's just been the infield, second base, third base, and yeah. shortstop for Vaughn Grissom. So I hear you, Chris. I mean, usually these things find a way of working themselves out. I, maybe it's... I'm just trying to figure... They could put Marcelo Zuna in the outfield. They could bench Marcelo Zuna. He hasn't been great. Eddie Rosario. But who's playing in the outfield then? Like, yeah. between Albies and, and Swanson and, and Grissom, it's... I want to get excited about this kid. I really do. And it's, it's just an awesome debut. Lots to like, as you mentioned. But I just kind of worry. But... For now, I mean, look, even if it's just a two-week two period, three-week period where he's awesome, I mean, th- those are things that can help you uh, mm-hmm. right now in your weekly head-to-head matchups and obviously maybe move up the standings in those Roto Leagues, especially deeper ones. So Vaughn Grissom, mm-hmm. 17% rostered. Let's add him for now, see where it goes. And who knows? I, like Maybe even a setback happens for Ozzy Albies. There's yeah, a, a million different things yeah, that Yeah, that, that's, that's why like life finds a way. You know, like yeah. that's, it's, I, I say it kind of jokingly, but it's also like, how many times do we worry? Oh, I don't know if this guy's... I'll never forget when Juan Soto got called up. I mean, this is going back like five years now, but I remember it like, oh, but we don't know if he's going to be a you know a guy who sticks around or if then it's like... I mean, if you hit like that, that's obviously a very lofty comparison. Juan Soto was arguably the best 19-year-old hitter of all time. But if Grissom can you know, make an impact... He'll he'll figure out a way to stay probably, and if not, you figure it out later. He also has a really cool name. Can we just talk about that, Vaughn Grissom? It's not related like- to Marquise Grissom from <laughs> from what I saw Scott uh, tweet about. So that that's not continuing the trend in recent years, but still, Vaughn Grissom is a strong name. That's a great name. It sounds like the lead character in some kind of action movie or. Yeah, it does. Video game character or something. It's just a really cool name. It, I'm getting like Nathan Drake vibes from uh, Uncharted. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. Cool name theory. Definitely cross that off the list for Vaughn Grissom and add him uh, wherever he might be available. Oh my goodness gracious for you, Chris, is someone we've talked about a lot recently. Well, he's given us a lot to talk about recently. Paul DeYoung. Um, he's got what? Four home runs in, or five? Sorry, four home runs in about 11 games since coming back from the minors. He went four for five today. He's been outstanding. Three hard hit balls, two doubles today, no strikeouts. Um, Overall numbers, still pretty bad because he was atrocious to start the season, got sent down. But he may have figured something out along the way back to the majors. He had an 865 OPS in AAA. Struck out 52 times in 230 plate appearances, which is... A manageable number, you know, that's below 25%. So if he was able to do that at the major league level with the kind of pop that Paul DeYoung has shown in the past, you know, that's a, that's a player who has been worth getting excited about in the past. Now it's been very all or nothing before this game. He had seven hits coming into tonight, 
four of them have been had been home runs. Three had been doubles, so <laughs> a lot of pop. The first two singles that he had, he's had since getting called back up were tonight. But yeah, I think so. Sorry, it's been ten games. He's got five, four home runs, eleven hits. He's been very good. Um, so yeah, I don't know if this is a return to form for Paul DeYoung. You know, he was a a pretty good player at one point in his career, but it's uh it's interesting enough that we can't ignore it at this point. Yeah, of course, worth mentioning that his last two games have come in Coors Field, so definitely could help sure. out with this monster game here on Wednesday night where he went three for four with two doubles, a run, and an RBI. Was going to save this for later, but since we're talking about two middle infielders, let's lump in a few more. Jose Iglesias, we didn't get to him on yesterday's podcast, but he has been on fire, and he had another good game here on Wednesday. He went two for four with a double and two RBI. He is 29% rostered. He's got six games next week, including three in Coors Field. Iglesias' last 30 games, he's batting 377 with two homers, 21 runs, and 22 RBIs. So not much power, but the counting stats for runs and RBI are ridiculous right now for Jose Iglesias. The other one is Luis Ranjifo, who I brought up a lot recently. I just don't know that we're giving him enough credit. He went one for five with his seventh home run. It was a three-run shot. He's batting third for the Angels lineup, which frankly is not a great lineup right now. But <laughs> 20 games in the second half of the season so far. Renhifo is hitting 293 with two homers, two steals, and 12 RBI. He's 20% rostered. So, Chris, how are you ranking these four? Grissom, DeYoung, Jose Iglesias, and Luis Renhifo. It would be Grissom, DeYoung, Iglesias, Renhifo. Um, Renhifo, just the quality of contact metrics are still so mediocre. You know, he's got a 333 expected Woba on contact, 290 expected Woba. So even his 314 Woba is actually outperforming his expected stats right now. So I just have a hard time getting too excited about that. Um, Iglesias is having a weird year because your initial reaction is, oh, well, he's playing half his games at Coors Field, so you can just ignore it when he's not at home. But he's actually been uh, – let me double-check this because this was what I saw yesterday and just make sure that I saw the right – yeah. He's hitting 358 with an 850 OPS on the road. That's those weird. are the numbers you would you would think like, okay, if he was doing a course field, that that makes sense. He's a contact oriented guy who could hit some line drives. That that he's doing that on the road. He's actually been pretty Jose Iglesias e at course field 272 695 OPS at home. So I don't really know what to make of that. It it makes me think that it's pretty fluky. And since you know he's not a base stealer and he doesn't hit over the pow- for over the pow- over the fence power, uh, that there's not really much reason to get excited, even during a hot streak. All right. So head and shoulders above the rest, we've got Vaughn Grissom and Paul DeYoung as the two yeah. that we are actually excited about if you need a middle infielder moving forward. Let's move over to some pitching, and I've got Beat the Waiver Wire, two-star pitcher edition. Hopefully I'm not stealing the thunder of Scott for tomorrow because obviously this is uh, this is his thing. He does the pitching and the hitting planners and all the sleepers for the following week, but at the same time, he's also much more accurate in terms of planning the two-star pitchers, so this will be updated by tomorrow. But as of now, these are kind of the names that are projected for next week to have two starts. Jeffrey Springs had a solid start at the Brewers. He went five innings, two runs, eight strikeouts in this one with 16 swinging strikes. Numbers this year have been very good. However, he has gone more than five innings just once in four starts. 
since returning from the IL. Josiah Gray, he needed a bounce-back performance, and he was solid at the Cubs. Six and a third, two runs, five strikeouts, two zero walks. He had an ERA over seven in his previous six starts before this one. Johnny Cueto, just another quality start. Six innings, three runs, two of them earned with four strikeouts. He has gone six-plus innings in 14 of 15 starts this season. Jose Quintana, I told you not to start him at Coors Field. I apologize because he was pretty good. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts there. And so far, so good with the uh, Cardinals since coming over there with him. He's 58% rostered. And then Justin Steele, a quality start up against the Nationals. Six innings, two runs, nine strikeouts to zero walks. Uh, he's quietly been very good, Justin Steele. 3.63 ERA, all the FIP, XFIP kind of lines up with it. Over a strikeout per inning for him. He is 30% rostered. He's got the Brewers and the Nationals next week. And he's SPARP eligible. So, all right, Chris. Lots of names here. Uh, who are, let's say, your top three of this group. Steele, Quintana, Cueto, Josiah Gray, and Jeffrey Springs. Uh, Steele might be my favorite among this group. And and part of that is he's got good matchups next week. You know, if he makes those two starts versus Milwaukee at Washington, obviously Washington team, he had a very good start against today. 16 swings and misses, nine strikeouts. I think he's someone that I absolutely want to start, especially with SPARP eligibility, any points league or any league where that matters. Uh, that's a, that's a big deal. Kind of like Jose Quintana next, you know, the, I have I've been skeptical for most of the season, but the underlying numbers largely support what he's done. And again, great matchups versus Colorado at Arizona. That's two, you know, great matchup versus Colorado. Great pit place to pitch at Arizona. So I like that one. And then I don't love the any of the other three because of their matchups for the th- two start week. But in a points league, I think I would go with Cueto with the edge over Springs. Springs. Is Sparp eligible, right? Yes. Um, so that helps, but the lack of depth that he gives you negates the value of that. You know, the lack of quality starts really is a, a hindrance in a points league. And that matchup at New York, he had a decent start against the Yankees earlier in the season. I distinctly remember being concerned about that start. I think he was one of the streamers that we talked about for that week. Um, and he was pretty good. He actually had a quality start against them, but I just I think it's unlikely to expect that again. So I would um I would probably go Steel Quintana Cueto. I think I would take Springs over Cueto, but that one is pretty close. It's really just a yeah. measure of volume versus effectiveness because I yeah. do I think you would agree that Springs is the much better pitcher. It's just we feel better about Cueto giving us more innings, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does have to face the Astros one of those starts for yeah. Johnny Cueto. The Astros and at the Guardians, so I don't really. Yeah, love that's those one matchups. that I wouldn't do in a roto league. Yeah. I would be more likely to do Springs in a roto league. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think if we're if we're just kind of splitting hairs here, Cueto and points and Springs in in mm-hmm. categories, I think that's uh, definitely yeah, fine. That's fine. And I agree with the the first two that you mentioned. Justin Steele, he's weird because he doesn't have a high swinging strike rate, but over a strikeout per inning this season. Um, mm-hmm. And I noticed that he doesn't throw hard with his fastball. He he is a left handed pitcher. He's basically just four seam and slider. But his fastball is in the 94th percentile in spin rate this season. So it is kind of one of those sneaky, deceptive fastballs Justin Steele has. And and he's pitched very well with that. So I do agree. Uh, I think I would put Quintana first on this list. But yeah, I think him That's and Steele are, are, are the top two uh, that I would be looking to add. In deeper leagues, J.P. Sears made his Oakland A's debut. And it was a solid one. He was up against the Angels. Five and a third, three hits, two runs, 
zero walks, three strikeouts, only five swinging strikes on 72 pitches. He goes really hard after it with the fastball. He throws it like 60, 65% of the time. Also mixes in a slider and a changeup. Very good numbers in the minors this season for J.P. Sears. 1.70 ERA, 0.73 whip, 60 strikeouts over 47 and two-thirds. And again, this is for deeper leagues, you know, 15-teamers, anything like that. 6% rostered, and he's got the Mariners, and he's at the Rangers next week. So not terrible matchups. Chris, what do you think about J.P. Sears? Not entirely clear. He's a starter in the long term. Um, He's been used kind of in both roles, reliever and starter in the minors during his time with the Yankees. Um, Averaged like five innings, a little less than five innings per start this season. So, you know, not sure you're going to get a lot out of him. And given that it's, you know, the A's wins are going to be, you know, pretty hard to come by, but yeah, he's interesting. He's, he's certainly worth keeping an eye on the, the stuff looks pretty, pretty solid, um, you know, based on the minor league track record. So I'll keep an eye on him, but even, you know, with a two-star week next week, I'd be surprised if you got, you know, set the over-under on quality starts at 0.5, and I, I think I'd take the under next week. So not not a super high upside play. Chris, I have to pause everything that we're doing right now to let you know that the Joey Gallo just hit a three-run home run <laughs> for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and Obviously, it's been a big week for the song. Yeah, Joey Gallo. For those for those out there who have heard the song, you know that that is about Joey Gallo. But uh, <laughs> I love Yankees Twitter. Just that kind gives of, him as many hits as Andrew Benintendi <laughs> since joining the Yankees, right? Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. This is. Just, I'm just Josh and you. Andrew Benintendi has a whole seven hits in twelve games. Oh gosh. This is just so frustrating, too, because it's, it's an opposite field home run for Joey Gallo. And just last, like his first game with the Dodgers, he goes opposite way, too. And it's just like, where was that with the Yankees? I just, I don't get it. It's, it's so crazy to me. But the Dodgers, they're, the magic that they work with not only their pitchers, but I guess with Joey Gallo as well. Good for him. I, I hope he gets back on track. It's just, it's crazy. Um, Chris, remember earlier in the season, you were like, I can't wait until the middle of the summer when like everything is crumbling for the Yankees and all their fans go crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm at that point right now. So mm-hmm. just no, of course, you, just letting you know, this was this was the <laughs> obvious outcome. This was always going to happen because the Yan- Yankees fans freak out anytime they go five and five over a stretch of 10 games. And it, especially when they thought they were going to have the best season in franchise history two months ago. I, it's been a little bit more than 10 games. I think they've been. They've been pretty bad now for like the past 30 games, but whatever. They're fine. It's all, it's, it's baseball, right? They're, the, they're like the second best team in baseball instead of the fifth best team ever. They're fine. Sure. I hope you're right, Chris. Uh, I'm I, rooting against them to be clear. Oh, I know. I know. But they're fine. Nice shirt, by the way. Uh, my buddy was in, was in uh, Miami recently and he picked me up an exact shirt. Well, not exactly, but similar to that. It's a Sandy Alcantara uh, jersey that is red like that. I haven't gotten Love it from him yet, King's but look. yes, I'm very excited. All right, let's get back into the actual action. Waiver wire, this or that. And I've got a bunch of names here on the list. Stephen Kwan or Tommy Pham. Stephen Kwan went two for four with a triple and a run scored. He is now batting 300 overall for the season. He's 74% rostered, could be out there in some shallower leagues. And Tommy Pham, I know we spoke about him yesterday, but I just want to reiterate, he's been good. So far with the Red Sox. It's been really good. One for five with his 14th home run. He's now homered in three straight. He's let off in four straight. 
And Chris, he had four hard hit balls in this game, including two over 105 exit velocity. That is Tommy Pham. He's 61% rostered. Who would you rather have, let's say in a points league, Quan or Pham? Even in a points league, which I think is Quan's better format, I would rather have Pham. And, and th- this is why. You go from the start of June, which is 60 games. So most of his season now, he's hitting 326 with a 783 OPS. That's really good. Um, his 162 game pace during that stretch would be 86 runs, three home runs, 40 RBI, 19 stolen bases. He just, he doesn't, like he gets singles and that's all he does. And so even in a points league, which is probably his better format, although, you know, listening to those numbers, 19 steals over 162 game season, that would be pretty good. Tommy Pham can do a lot more. What if I told you, Chris, that over the last 28 days, Stephen Kwan is the eighth best outfielder in points? That's not surprising. <laughs> um, outfield remains a disaster. Yeah, it's so and, bad. It's it's really bad. But I I would still rather have Tommy Pham. What is Kwan averaging in that span? He is... It's got to be like right around three points per game at best. 3.3. Okay, that's a solid number. Maybe I'm I'm giving him not enough credit. Look at this it list just, right here. The top eight in over the last, this is insane, the last 28 <laughs> days. So Aaron Judge is first with 155 points. The next closest is Mookie Betts with 91.5. That is just <laughs> bananas. <laughs> but after Betts, we get Juan Soto, Juan Succo. What happened to that? Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, Randall Grichuk, Anthony Santander, Ahmed Rosario and Steven Kwan. That is your top so eight. What over that the tells last me is there have days. been four good outfield fielders <laughs> over the last twenty eight days. It's crazy. I was yeah. trying. I was updating my rankings Wednesday. I was trying to move JD Martinez down, and I couldn't do yeah, it. It's really hard. I'm like, who who am I going to move ahead of JD Martinez? It, that's been the struggle at outfield all season long. Is it's just like you you've got these guys who aren't performing, and you want to move them down, but you don't actually want to move anyone up. Yeah, yeah it's been. It's been a rough season for for outfield. Very rough. Uh, all right, let's move into uh, two more outfielders here. I guess prospect edition. Riley Green went two for five with a double and a run scored. He now has multiple hits in four of his last eight games. Not really hitting for power, stealing bases. So I'm not overly excited, but he's doing something. He's getting hits here. He's got seven games next week. And then Alec Thomas went two for four with two runs scored. He is 64% rostered. He's got seven games next week, and he also has a big series coming up in Coors Field. So I I think Alec Thomas is frankly going to have just a monster weekend, uh, and then we're going to be looking to add him. But Chris, what do you think? Who would you rather have, Green or Thomas? My gut reaction is Thomas, and I just wanted to check one thing between the two of them. Yeah, they're, they're both batting first and second in the lineup, so not really much of a gap there. They're... Quality of contact metrics are very similar. Um, Greens have been a little bit better, but he's striking out a lot more. So, you know, that's kind of making up for it. Wish both of them were running more than they have been. Um, Yeah, Alec Thomas last 30 days, zero steals. Yeah, he got off to a pretty good start in that regard. But yeah, he slowed down. Um, uh, I I would go Thomas. You know, I I think it's pretty close. I like both of them, but I I think Thomas' play discipline at at this stage in their career gives him a little bit of an edge. Yeah, I will point out with both. I dropped them outside of my top 50 outfielders. They really have not done much over the past month or so. But uh, once you get into those five outfielder leagues, 
obviously, I, I, I still think long-term they have a lot of upside. Um, and Thomas, for the reasons I mentioned, I, I think he's about to have a big weekend. So this is almost like a, a preemptive ad before other people do it with him. Two closers I mentioned I wanted to get to. Sir Anthony Dominguez struck out two for his eighth save here on Wednesday. David Robertson pitched yesterday, and he also pitched on, I guess that would be either Sunday or Monday. So he could have been available. Sir Anthony Dominguez also pitched yesterday. That's now two games in a row where he has picked up the save. And I, we're just kind of left at a closer by committee with the Phillies right now, I guess, moving forward. Maybe kind of favoring Sir Anthony Dominguez, but he's 50% rostered. And then Jonathan Hernandez looks like the Rangers closer. He pitched the, I think it was the bottom of the 10th inning once the Rangers just took the lead in that game, but... Uh, they put up a bunch of runs in the top of the tent, so they didn't. Uh, it wasn't a save opportunity anymore. I like Hernandez, but it sounds like Joe Barlow's getting ready to return. Who would you rather have between Dominguez and Hernandez? The thing is, is Barlow going to be the closer when he comes back? Not necessarily. He he yeah, was because rem- he was removed from the role right before that injury. So, right. you know, it's possible that like the injury was as much a let's get him back on track kind of thing, but. You know, given the fact that he was removed from that closer's role, I, I think Hernandez's job security is a little safer. You know, Robertson only has one save in four appearances since going to the, the Phillies. So, you know, clearly he's not the closer, but this is a team that has had trouble at times settling on one guy. You know, there was a stretch earlier in the season when we thought John, Sir Anthony Dominguez was the closer, and then they, you know, went back to Corey Knable. At one point. So I, I, I still think um, that's probably a committee and I would rather have Hernandez. I agree with that assessment. Uh, Hernandez, I believe, pull up his roster rate. I know um, Dominguez. got to be real low. Dominguez is 50%. I believe Hernandez is 36%. So he's actually available in more leagues. And I agree. I, I would take him uh, because I do think he is more entrenched in that role for his respective team. So Hernandez over Dominguez for me as well. We already mentioned the middle infielders earlier, so we will pass up on that. Just some names I wanted to mention in deeper leagues. Anything here or maybe just throw them on the scout team for now. We'll start off in the infield. Daniel Vogelbach went two for five with a double and three RBI. He now has four multi-hit games in his last seven and in 15 games with the Mets. Daniel Vogelbach is hitting 341 with two homers and 10 RBI. Somebody let me know that he now walks out to the song Milkshake when he walks out. Phenomenal. So that is just, yes. Em- like, just embracing being a big, beefy baseball boy is one a of the best A big, beefy things. baseball boy in the city. You gotta love it. <laughs> you gotta love it. Uh, Dan Vogelbach is 19% rostered. A gentleman named Joey Manessis has homered in three straight for the Nationals. He is a 30-year-old, but was playing well in the minors this year. 286 batting average, 20 home runs. And then Charles LeBlanc. Chris, what can you tell me about Charles LeBlanc? He plays for the Marlins. He went two for four with an RBI. He has played 10 games with them so far. He's batting 429 with one homer and one steal. So deeper leagues, what do you think of these three? Vogelbach, Manessis, and LeBlanc. Um, I'll, I'll make the, the same joke I made on Twitter uh, that... The Marlins have somebody wearing the number 83 batting cleanup for them right now, which means we are getting spring training started early, uh, I guess, for them. I don't know. There doesn't seem to be anything there with Charles LeBlanc. Um, His quality of contact metrics in the majors are 
pretty middling, despite the fact that his overall production has been pretty good. So I, I, I assume there's not much there. Keep an eye on him, I guess. You know, late season stuff like Patrick Wisdom last season that and Tommy two hits or Frankie two hits that can happen. So I don't want to <laughs> say there's nothing there, but my guess is there's nothing there. It'd be the same thing with uh, Manassas. I want to say Manassas, but that's a Civil War battlefield. Um, and you know, Vogelbach has started 13 of 16 games since getting to the Mets. So, you know, it's, it's not a part-time role, at least not a fully part-time role. I don't know how many times they've faced a lefty. I would think that's probably going to be one of the determining factors in, in whether he plays most days, but he's the most interesting of this group, you know, for sure. And he's the most rostered of them as well. And I think 19% rostered is probably, you know, maybe a little low. Maybe there's some 15 team leagues where you can add him, but I don't think it's a, a high priority. Speaking of Vogelbach and the Mets, they have eight games next week, and it looks like, as of now, just one lefty on the schedule. So Yeah, so could that, be, that could be useful as a streamer, yeah. a sleeper hitter. I would, I would be surprised if he wasn't on Scott's list next week. I was watching the Marlins game earlier, and they had a really cool nickname for Charles LeBlanc, and I can't remember it. Um, but I feel like you're really good at finding stuff like this, Chris. I tried to do a Twitter search. I couldn't find it. Did they call him Joey? It was, no, it was like Chuck something, Chucky something for, for Charles LeBlanc. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but maybe, yeah. maybe he's this year, uh, this year's Frankie two hits. Uh, we'll go with like Chucky two hits or something like that. Yeah, it might be. You look at the minor league track record. It might be more of a Patrick wisdom situation because he strikes out a ton, but yeah, we'll see. All right, some outfielders in deeper leagues. Tyler Naquin went two for four with his 10th home run. And like Vogelbach, since joining the Mets, he is hot. 367 batting average, three home runs in 10 games. Looks like he's playing every other day as of now. He's 20% rostered. Sam Haggerty went one for three with his fourth home run. And over his last eight games, he's hitting 423 with two homers. Just don't know where he's going to play once Julio and Jesse Winker are both healthy again. And then J.J. Bladé, he was scuffling, but now two solid games in a row. He hit his second home run on Tuesday, and then he went three for three with a walk on Wednesday. Not sure that you need to add him, but maybe just pay attention to it. Chris, what do you think about these three? Bladé, Haggerty, and Naquin. Yeah, I mean, Naquin at 20% roster, that feels too high to me. So I definitely don't think he's someone who needs to be added anywhere. And Bladé, there's still potential there, but he's he hasn't shown very much, so... Um, I'm still okay, you know, kind of leaving him on waivers. All right. Before we hit the break, just want to let everyone know we're about 200 YouTube subscribers away from 15,000, which is a huge accomplishment. It's a great milestone. We thank everybody who has already subscribed to the channel um, and continues to support the podcast. But for anyone out there who's listening who hasn't subscribed, feel free, you know, Tap the notification bell so you can watch us whenever we go it's live. It's just one button. Yeah, you can see our our beautiful faces while we talk and do crazy. Uh, we don't really do crazy stuff, but anyway, if you want to, occasionally my cats. It's been a while. We haven't seen the cats. How are they doing? No, I kicked them out. I, I I could I could invite them on sometime soon. All right, let's before uh, the season ends for sure. When we get to 15k, that will be our celebration. We'll uh we'll just have all of Chris's pets in the room together, like <laughs> cats, good. dogs. It's gonna be insane, and but it'll be fun. So help us out. Help us get to 15K. Let's uh, hit the break and we'll get to the news and notes after these messages. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The news and notes. Fernando Tatis had a big game at AA on Tuesday. Not sure if he played on Wednesday because they were in a rain delay. I went to check that earlier. But anyway, on Tuesday, he went two for two with a double, a triple, two walks, and two runs scored. I just call him up. Yeah, let's do it. This weekend? Nah, probably too soon. Maybe next Monday? Next next week, I think. Yeah, the start of next week. Let's do that. Oh, it's going to be... How do you think they're going to align this? You think they're going to go... Do you think they lead off with Tatis? Go Tatis, Soto, Machado to start? I would think so, yeah. I mean, yeah, Profar's been leading off. You can get him out of there. You go Tatis, Soto, Machado. That's yeah, that's a that's an all-time trio right there. That is just bananas. Yeah. Profar, by the way. Profar's had a good year. Right. So Yeah, he's having a good year. It's just, you know. He's not Fernando Tatis. Fernando Tatis. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think Profar will move down the lineup, and you kind of trade off some run scored for RBI, but... Yeah. Regardless, it's still an amazing lineup. Wander Franco could be ready to resume live batting practice as soon as Friday. He had surgery to repair a fractured hamate bone in his right wrist about a month ago. Uh, Franco could be back by the end of August. That's the hope. Dustin May will make one more rehab start on Sunday before rejoining the Dodgers rotation next week. He struck out eight over five innings of work in his fifth rehab outing on Tuesday. He built up to 68 pitches and is 76% rostered, Dustin May could be floating around in some really, really exciting. Yeah, yeah, you definitely need to add him wherever he might be. Remember, he was a guy who in 2020 was in their rotation at a 250 ERA, despite only 7.1K per nine. He wasn't a strikeout guy. Came out in 2021, only made five starts, but he had 35 strikeouts in 23 innings. He's got ridiculous stuff. He's got this sinker that moves like... I mean, it, he he looks like uh, like Bruce Star Gratterall from their bullpen. He's, he looks like that, except he's a starter. But he was starting to get swings and misses with his breaking balls as well. And he's continued that on this minor league rehab assignment. 26 strikeouts and 16 innings in the minors. Um, I'm, I'm very, very excited. Dustin May has top 30 starting pitcher potential. Yeah, I, I guess just... Um comes down to how cautious they're going to be with his mm-hmm. workload right out of the gate but you know maybe one or two starts gets those under his belt then they they start to let him go 85 90 pitches and if they do that I, I think he could be really good for fantasy purposes yep. speaking of the Dodgers Ryan Pepio was recalled to start on Wednesday night he went four and a third he gave up four runs four strikeouts to three walks but I imagine that maybe he'll make one more start this weekend but he'll probably be sent down once Dustin May is ready to join the rotation. Lance McCullers will make his season debut on Saturday against the Oakland A's, and in four rehab starts, he had a 6.75 ERA and a 1.73 whip. I believe Scott mentioned he read somewhere that the velocity has been a little bit down for McCullers as well, so he's 81% rostered. That's more than Dustin May. I'm assuming that we like Dustin May more than Lance McCullers, Chris. A lot more at this point, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. think McCullers can be a, a good pitcher, but I'm just very skeptical. This this is much more of a 
I mean, for both of them, like I'm not going to start either one of them right out of the gate, but McCullers for me, given the nature of the injury, the fact that he, you know, didn't have reconstruction surgery, it's, it's much more of a, I need to see it situation. All right, Paul Blackburn went to the IL with an inflamed right middle finger, and that's what allowed J.P. Sears to get called up here on Wednesday. Chris Flexen, this one kind of surprised me, Chris. He will shift to the Mariners' bullpen, which means that George Kirby will remain in the rotation for now. So, I don't know. Maybe we maybe we were a little bit too, uh, too early on, on dropping George Kirby here because... He's back in the rotation. I think he's going to be pretty good. He was really good his last time out as well. 71% rostered is George Kirby. Reds manager David Bell said prior to Wednesday's game that Hunter Strickland will be moved out of the closers role, which is really not surprising considering how bad he has pitched recently and I guess all season long. Alexis Diaz makes the most sense as the... Uh, Reds closer, the replacement there, he's just 19% rostered. So if you are chasing saves, I think Diaz is the name to follow there. Kyle Lewis was optioned back to AAA to make room for Dylan Moore, who started here on Wednesday. Spencer Howard was placed on the IL with a right shoulder impingement. And a prospect note, Orioles pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez, one of, if not the top pitching prospect in all of baseball, threw off a mound Wednesday for the first time since he suffered a grade two lat strain at the beginning of June. It's extremely unlikely that we will see Grayson Rodriguez at any point this season, but he could be in the mix for the Orioles opening day rotation next year, which is very exciting for keeper and dynasty leagues and even redraft. If, if he's out there from the start, he's Definitely going to be someone that we're uh, excited about as a breakout for next year. That is Grayson Rodriguez. All right, we have random hitters that I want to get Chris's thoughts on whenever Chris returns. But in the meantime, I will uh, introduce some of these players. Joey Votto went two for three with a double, a run, and an RBI. And post-All-Star break, Joey Votto is hitting 231 with five homers and an 844 OPS. He is hitting the ball hard. He's got a 12% barrel rate during that time. And he just got off to such a slow start. It's really, really hard for him to recover from those numbers. And he's really old. Let's just call it for what it is, right? Like Joey Votto pushing 40 years old. And I think we kind of just caught lightning in a bottle last year in terms of how much power he showed. He frankly never really showed that much power. Uh, Chris, we're talking about Joey Votto here. Just some random hitters I wanted to get your thoughts on. What do you think has changed the most from one year to the next? Or is it just age? Yeah, I mean, he's not hitting the ball with the same kind of authority that he did last season. He He's kept the kind of loss of strikeout or plate discipline, I guess, would be the way to put it. You know, that we've seen, you know, last year he had the 23.8% strikeout rate. This year it's 26.3%. And he had made a conscious decision over the last couple of years to stop trying to control the strike zone so much and just hit the ball harder. Well, this year, max exit velo, average exit velo, hard hit, hit rate, they're all decent. You know, they're all above average, but they're all down from last season when they were elite. And that's, I think, the biggest difference is that when you're cheating to hit for power, you better hit for power. And he's hitting for decent power this season, not great power. He's actually been pretty good lately. Um, but yeah, definitely not the guy we expected to see. 
Something else that stood out to me is that last year he crushed fastballs, and this season he's just been okay. So yeah. uh, this year it's 250 batting average, 520 slug against fastballs. Last year, 306 batting average, 678 slug, and it it kind of seems like he's um, selling out for, for fastballs, yes. and it kind of just throws off his timing for everything else because against breaking and off-speed pitches, he's been terrible each of the past yeah. two years. So. You know, he's getting up there in age and um Yeah, like that yeah. that's exactly what you would expect to see from a guy losing bat speed, right? Is exactly cheating to try to hit and this, this is something I remember like we're probably four years removed from it, but I remember seeing this similar trend with Paul Goldschmidt. We were starting to see a, some some signs of him having to, you know, potentially cheat to catch up to fastballs, and then you know, nobody ages the same, right? And Paul Goldschmidt it turns out is, you know, having one of his best seasons. So yeah, it's, it's possible. Joey Votto bounces back. I think he's still a useful fantasy option, but clearly not the difference maker. We were hoping he would be Glaber Torres along with those Yankees is scuffling right now. Post all-star break. He's hitting 192 with two homers, a 540 OPS, a 30% strikeout rate. His fly ball rate is also over 50%. So might be trying to sell out a little bit too much for the power and he is still 96% rostered. Chris, how are you hand- handling Glaber Torres? Do you think he's droppable anywhere? Your 12-team points leagues, sure. He's not a must-roster player, but I, I think he's still probably in the corner infield discussion. You know, that there have been... Middle infield. Or, sorry, middle infield, yeah. Um, there have been some guys like... You know, Luis Garcia, who we've liked and, and have touted, but who aren't necessarily doing a, t- a whole much, bunch more. So, you know, I don't know how many guys there are that I would drop Glaber Torres for. I I don't think I would drop him for Von Grissom. So, you know, that kind of tells you the, that I, I do still think Glaber Torres is, is worth keeping on your roster. Would you do it for your boy, Nico Horner? That's an interesting one because it does depend on what your team needs. They're entirely different players, but I mean, Nico Horner is his, his batting average up to like, he's been like three Oh five for the season. Now he's been amazing. Um, so I think it kind of depends on what you need, but I, I think that's an okay one. It's not a must drop, but Nico Horner is going to give you more batting average for sure. And more speed. Um, so yeah, I think that's fine. Nico Horner now exactly at 300 for the season with seven homers, 12 steals, and an 11% strikeout rate. He makes a ton of contact. Jordan Alvarez went one for five with his 31st home run. Chris, did you see this homer? I did not. Please go to my Twitter right now and watch it because (laughs) it was 114.6 miles per hour off the bat, which tied a season high. This thing was a missile, a rocket, whatever you want to call it. It was out in like four seconds insane home run. But I did want to point out that since returning from injury, Alvarez has been dealing with this hand injury off and on for like the past month, maybe month and a half. Since returning, he's batting just 250 during that time. I noticed his walk rate is also 20%. So it seems like pitchers are really, really being cautious with Jordan Alvarez. He's still hitting the ball really hard during that time. 95 mile per hour, average exit velocity. Uh, but he's been unlucky in terms of BABIP as well, just 268. So what do you think? I, like, there's no, like, we're not dropping or trading Alvarez, but uh, have you lowered expectations just based on maybe him playing through this hand injury? 
I I don't really think so. It's possible that the hand injury is limiting him somewhat, but you would think that we would see that in the strikeout rate or the whiff rate or the average exit velocity, none of which have really gone down. He averaged 95.5 miles per hour in average exit velocity in the month of July with seven home runs, 286 batting average. August, you know, small sample size. He's only he was only hitting 148 entering this game. 299 expected batting average, 96.4 mile per hour average exit velocity. So I I don't really see much that's materially impacting his game, but obviously it's it's entirely possible that there's something there with the hand injury. I just you would think we would see it more than just in the batting average. Would you I'm asking for a friend, trade Sandy Alcantara for Yordan Alvarez. Points league? Roto, 15 team. I would rather have Alvarez, but that's close. Okay. Someone may or may not have offered me that for Sandy Alcantara. That's a that's a that's a tough one, but I, yeah. I still think Alvarez is the is the guy to have there. It's tough because in that league, I need offense and been great in pitching. I I've got Sandy, I've got Shane McClanahan on that team, but I'd much rather trade McClanahan. Yeah, you'd rather trade <laughs> yeah. McClanahan. Try that one. I yeah, I I emailed the person back, but <laughs> I don't think it's gonna happen. Like, you know. We talk about this. Smart people realize what you're trying to do, right? Like right. Shane McClanahan. They, they, they know McClanahan's had a couple stinkers right. in a row. Yeah, they, they, they're aware. Yeah, they know. Uh, MJ Melendez is hot right now. He went three for four with his 14th home run, three hard hit balls, including one that was 109.4 miles per hour off the bat. His last 30 games, Melendez is hitting 268 with eight home runs, 22 RBI, uh, average exit velocity around 92 miles per hour. He's up to 77% rostered. Chris, I think that number needs to be uh, uh, close to 100. Like MJ Melendez just needs to be rostered in all one catcher leagues. I, I think so. Yeah, I mean he's he's playing every day. He's he's batting leadoff for them. He's been awesome this season. I I did want to make check to make sure he he has played enough to get catcher eligibility for next season. He's actually a couple of games away from outfield eligibility for next season, which I don't think you would necessarily use him there. Although if he's playing every day in the outfield next season, you know, you'd still rather use him at catcher. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he looks like exactly the kind of impact player we were hoping he would be coming up. The The power is exactly what we would hope. We hoped it would be the, yeah, I, I think Mandre Melendez definitely needs to be started in all leagues. You know, typically, Chris, the catcher position is very bad. And I would probably say that for this year as well. There's seven or eight guys that I, I really like, and then it's just kind of blah after that. But I think we're about to go through a, a kind Famous of... Famous last words. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I, I just jinxed the position for like the next decade, but... There's a no, lot. No, I, I was thinking the same thing with Alejandro Kirk. And, we're and we're in good Melendez, hands right now. We've got Kirk, yeah. we've got Rutschman, we've got Melendez, and we have all these catcher prospects coming: Francisco Alvarez and Gabriel Moreno and Henry Davis with the Pirates and mm-hmm. Tyler Soderstrom. I think he's probably going to move off the position, but there's a lot of really interesting young catchers coming, and I think the position is going to be pretty good. But you're right. For sure. Probably. No, I, I, <laughs> I had the same thought. I just, I, I never, I don't want to actually put it in, put it out there and, and, and jinx it. You know, I get it. Uh, Max Muncy, last one I wanted to mention here. He hit his 13th home run and over his last 14 games, he is hitting 294 with four homers, 94.6 mile per hour average exit velocity, a 23% barrel rate. 
And I believe this was a YouTube comment on one of our videos. Somebody kind of speculated that Miguel Vargas was called up to light a fire under Max Muncy. And I don't know how much you could buy into these things, but maybe, maybe it actually did because Muncy I mean, this stretch Muncy's started like, well. you know, a week and a half before Vargas was actually called up. Right. So sure. I, I don't know how much there, there is to that. I mean, look, maybe I, I don't, I don't know, but I know Scott was going to mention him yesterday. I don't think he ended up getting to it, but the, the average exit velocity quality of contact metrics have all been much, much better over the last you know 14 games. It's an arbitrary sample size, but when you're talking about a player like Max Muncy, who has shown so little to be excited about this season, we'll take any arbitrary sample sizes we can get. Um, and yeah, this, you know, definitely enough that if you were dropping him, you know, consider not dropping him. Yeah, I agree. I think I saw that he actually left the game here on Wednesday. Took a pretty hard ground ball, like off of his chest or shoulder area. So hopefully he's all right. But uh, yeah, he's been playing really well lately. That is Max Muncy. What to do with Sean Manaya? Just kind of jump back over to pitching here, Chris. Another subpar outing here against the Giants. He went five innings. He gave up four runs. Three of those were earned. 11 swinging strikes on 79 pitches. Interestingly, he gave up the six hits in four runs, only one hard hit allowed with a 333 BABIP again. So maybe a little bit unlucky here in this one. I noticed his slider velocity was up 2.4 miles per hour, and he threw his sinker a lot less in this start, less than 50%. He threw more changeups, and he threw his slider more. His slider's a really good pitch. I, I never understand why he just doesn't throw it more. It's I'm sure there's something else that goes into it that I don't understand, like sequencing or just any old pitching He's theory. A lefty. Yeah. But I just his sinker is just so mediocre. Like it does get whiffs, which is weird for a sinker, but mm-hmm. it gets hit pretty hard and uh his slider's good, so I just don't understand why he doesn't throw it more. Anyway, his last seven starts, he's got an ERA hovering around seven. He's giving up a lot of hard contact. It's been brutal. I, the overall ERA is pushing five right now for Sean Manaya. Was gonna ask, do we drop him? But then I realized his two starts next week are against the Nationals and the Marlins. So no, I think yeah, you start him. I think we've got to hold on for at least one more week. Throw him in your lineups, you know, and and hope for the best. He kind of has, um, and this is not just because he's a lefty. Although these two other pitchers I'm going to comp him to are also lefties, uh, but he's got some Andrew Heaney, Stephen Matz in him, in that. You know, he is a sinker baller primarily, but he tends to throw his sinker up in the zone, which is something that, that Heaney, especially in his time with the Angels, did and allowed him to get decent, decent whiff rates with it. It also just made it so that when he didn't get whiffs, the pitch tended to get hit hard. And <clears throat> like you said, the, the slider historically has been a pretty good pitch for him. It's just, you know, it's been, especially this year, actually, this is a big change, is he's throwing the slider very rarely to right-handed batters. Um, You know, last season, he actually threw more sliders to righties than he did lefties. This year, he's thrown almost more than twice as many sliders to lefties than righties. So, you know, that pitch becoming more of a just platoon pitch for him, that could explain some of it um, because it's been his best pitch. And, you know, maybe the fact that he's not throwing it to righties you know, is a is a possible explanation for why Manaya's not been as good this season. You know, that's kind of looking at it. That's kind of the 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 biggest thing that stands out to me. The control has been 
weirdly off this year for him too. He's yeah. always been a great control pitcher, and this year he's well over three walks per nine. So that's been an issue. Hard contact. You couple those things together, and it's just it's something that could really just snowball out of control. So I'm holding on to Sean Mania for one more week here in shallower leagues. Start him in that with those great matchups. Uh, but if he does let us down one more time, I, I could see starting to drop Sean Mania in some some leagues. Some leftovers from Wednesday's action. The hitting leftovers. Roddy Telez hit a game-tying home run off Colin Poche in the ninth inning. It was Telez's 23rd homer of the season. Brandon Jury went two for five with his 22nd home run and his second homer since joining the Padres. He should have three, but I saw that last week he got robbed by Sam Hilliard, so... Sorry, Brandon Jury. Aaron Judge went one for two with two walks and his 45th home run. I mentioned this for Alvarez earlier, the walk rate being way up. In the month of August, Aaron Judge has a 24% walk rate. Opposing pitchers are being very cautious, and they have good reason to be. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton is hurt, and Anthony Rizzo has been in and out of the lineup, so Mm -hmm. they don't really have to pitch to Aaron Judge right now, which, why would you? Kyle Kyle Schwarber went three for four with a double and two RBI. Chris, you'll be happy to know, Two more batted balls over 107 miles per hour for Kyle Schwarber in that game. Andres Jimenez went two for four with his 13th steal. Corey Seager went three for five with an RBI. His overall batting average is now up to 254, and he is batting 314 since the start of July. So I hope you bought Corey Seager when we were telling you to buy him all season long. Salvador Perez went three for five with a double and two RBI. He has played very well since returning uh, from injury, Nolan Arenado went three for five with his 23rd home run. He had an awesome defensive play as well, just really showing up the Colorado Rockies, which good for you, Nolan Arenado. You love to see that. Also showing me up, which you also, I mean, many, many people love to see. So, <laughs> yeah, look, while we're on that, like we're going to get things wrong, guys. Like we're trying to forecast baseball and fantasy baseball. As long as you get things right a little bit more than you get things wrong, then you should be pretty good at this game, but yes, it was, it was obviously a pretty bad call. But yeah, I know Cardinals fans on on Twitter <laughs> want me to, I don't know, self-flagellate in the streets. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, guys, I got it wrong. I don't know what you want from me. Well, you've been talking to Paul DeYoung, so that makes up for it, Chris. Exactly. Uh, Nico Horner, who I mentioned earlier, he went two for four with his seventh home run. He's 62 percent rostered. He's got seven games next week. He still could be out there in some leagues. We got an email from Craig who was looking for a Matt Carpenter replacement in a 14-team head-to-head points league. He asked Morell, Christopher Morell, Chris Taylor, Nico Horner, Adam Frazier, Jose Iglesias. Who would you take from those five, Chris? I think it's Horner. I, I do want to see Morell. I know he has been sitting against some righties lately. Yeah. But he, I don't know how consistent that is. Um, he, he slowed down too. Yeah, I would. I would just go with uh, with Nico Horner there. Yeah, I responded to this email and and I said Nico Horner as well. So, uh, little confirmation bias. I, I appreciate it, Chris. Pitching standouts part one. Justin Verlander makes it eight straight quality starts. He was up against the Rangers. Six innings, three runs, seven strikeouts in that one. Brandon Woodruff makes it four straight quality starts for him. He was up against Tampa Bay. Seven innings, three runs, five strikeouts. There, uh, in eight games since returning, he's got a 2.43 ERA and a 14.5% swinging strike rate. And our guy, is he our guy? I don't know. Mr. Tight Pants, Robbie Ray. He had a quality start against the Yankees, six and a third, two runs, five walks. Don't love it. Seven strikeouts. Okay, pretty good there. Um, and eh, he's his overall numbers still don't look great, but he got off to a really slow start. I, I think Robbie Ray is fine. Chris, what do you think about these three? Do you have anything on 
Ray Woodruff, Verlander. No, I mean, if, if Woodruff's not a top 10 pitcher the rest of the season, he's right on the cusp of it. He, he's right in that discussion. He's awesome. There, you know, there, were, there was definitely some concern there for a little while, but um, he's healthy and he looks great. I got him back inside of my top 12. Yeah, I have him at 10th. Scott has him at 8th, and you have him at 12th. So, yeah, right right there uh, on the cusp. Starting pitcher standouts part two. Taiwan Walker bounced back with a quality start. Up against the Reds, six innings, two runs, five strikeouts there. Nestor Cortez with his third double-digit strikeout game of the season. He actually took a no-hitter into the sixth, uh, but does wind up giving up three runs in that sixth inning. He finishes with the 10 strikeouts, just one walk. He had 18 swinging strikes in this game. And I just want to give Nestor Cortez credit, Chris, because, you know, he kind of had that blip in the middle of the season. He's gotten back on track here. His last five starts, a 2.47 ERA during that time. Yeah. Noah Syndergaard, his first quality start since June 27th, facing the Marlins, definitely helps. Six innings, two runs, four strikeouts there. And then Kyle Wright with a nice bounce back at the Red Sox. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts. But his sinker velocity was down two miles per hour. Fastball velocity down 2.4 miles per hour, per hour, and he was limited to just 77 pitches. So let's just kind of watch this with uh, Kyle Wright. I, I didn't see anything after the fact, but I'm kind of curious. So uh, anything on these four, Chris? Kyle Wright, Syndergaard, Cortez, and Taiwan Walker. Uh, no, like you said, with Cortez, really, really good to see him bounce back. Um, yeah. He's been really, really excellent for most of this season. Um, Syndergaard, I think it was mostly getting to face Miami. But, you know, he can still be useful against the right matchups. But we, we've seen the early season excellence decay since then. Yep. Sandy Alcantara is indeed human. He was at the uh, Phillies. He went seven and two thirds. He gave up four runs with just four strikeouts to one walk. And sometimes, Chris, it, it seems like Don Mattingly is almost scared to take Sandy out of the game. I get it. <laughs> like Sandy, Look, I don't want to get yelled at. He never wants to come out of the game, but there are just some situations. Like, watching this game, it was the eighth inning. There was first and third with no outs. Just leave Sandy in. I, I think he was at, like, 85 pitches. So, I like yeah. their, their bullpen is not good, but I don't know. It's just like sometimes I think it, it kind of works against Sandy Alcantara, too. So Yeah, but you also... You give that guy the yeah the benefit of the doubt when he wants it. I get it. Yeah, I mean it's it's just like a blessing and a curse sometimes. You know, third, fourth time through the lineup, it's you know any offense sees you that many times, it's yeah. you know they're 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 going to be much better later on in the game. The call to the bullpen for the Brewers: Devin Williams pitched a scoreless ninth and wound up with the win. For the Cubs, Rowan Wick recorded the final four outs for his sixth save. He's twenty one percent rostered if you need saves, and he. Uh, now makes it 10 straight scoreless outings for Rowan Wick. For the Mariners, Paul Seawald pitched a clean ninth for his 15th save. For the Guardians, Emmanuel Class A struck out two for his 26th. And then the Pirates, they had a two-run lead. Obviously, David Bednar is on the aisle. Will Crow pitched the eighth inning. He came back out for the ninth. He picked up the first two outs, and then somebody named Eric Stout, a left-handed pitcher. I, I'm guessing he came in to face a lefty. Uh, he picked up his first save of the season. So, I don't know. Kind of messy, but I think Will Crow is the the one that you want to roster there for saves. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Thursday. Edward Cabrera at the Phillies. Kyle Gibson versus the Marlins. Zach Plesac at the Tigers. 
Zach Ranky versus the White Sox, JT Brubaker at the Diamondbacks, Drew Smiley at the Reds, and Nick Lodolo versus the Cubs. Yeah, I like Cabrera. I Gibson against Miami worked out already last week, I believe. Um, yeah, I think, and I think it was eight innings, one run or two. Yeah, runs. the rest of them I don't love. Lodolo probably the best of the bunch. I agree. On Friday, we have Mitch White versus the Guardians, Spencer Watkins at the Rays, George Kirby at the Rangers, and Dane Dunning versus the Mariners. Uh, Kirby would be my favorite of this group. I agree. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.